produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio. Kylan, Eric, myself, Mike. Uh, Before we get into things, uh, check out the website, MightyMarvelGeeks.net. Our affiliates down the side. Also, the new link to our updated store is up. Of course, you get the new merchandise for Weeby Geeks, Mighty Marvel Geeks, Wookie Radio, such as winter knit hats. It is wintertime. We have the winter hats for you. Uh, it's just the word mark, not the actual um, word balloon logo because of sizing. So we're trying to maximize at least the word mark. A um, couple new sweatshirts thrown on there as well. There's like a fleece lined sweatshirt available, fleece lined hoodie. So, and of course, the, the jerseys, uh, baseball and hockey jerseys as well. So, Veterans Day was Sunday, Monday. Might as well have been Veterans Day Part 2. Let's just extend it one more day because, um, yeah, I, I'm trying to look up. Uh, okay. It's, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't give it doesn't give his rank in this. Ah, yeah, because uh, Lee was in the in World War Two, wasn't he? It yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was going to say Monday we lost Stanley Lieber, a.k.a. Stanley, uh, at the age of 95. So uh, funny thing is his military classification, he says, was playwright. Now, I am seeing a picture off Wikipedia. Looks like he was uh, a sergeant. Of, yeah, he's got a, he's got a sergeant chevrons on him. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Um, anyway, tributes galore. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Since everybody, Monday. everybody and their brother's been, been posting, uh, you know, pictures of them with him and, right. Uh, or sharing stories about him. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, I wish that I was one of them. I don't have a Stanley story. Closest I, I closest I got to him was maybe a hundred feet when he was walking by. I I I, I got to sit in on a panel with him at uh, at Dragon Con. I have his book, How to Drop Comics the Marvel Way. I, I want to get I it. Saw I want to get, get that for myself. That I got that book. At least 30 years ago. Yeah. And that has been my go-to reference, 
you know, it, when I was when I was trying to to, uh, to do penciling, uh, mm-hmm. when I was just basically just doing any kind of of comics work, that was always on my desk or very close at hand, and it still is to this day. And you know what? And it still he shows you how to draw feet. <laughs> but see, here's the thing: the thing about that book, I mean, you can look at anatomy books you can look at perspective books uh this is about this ties it all together and the whole thing is dramatic right you know it's like yes you can you can do composition you know you have scholarly art books about composition and and anatomy and and perspective but they're all very academic they're all very i don't want to use the word dry but dry yeah Right. His was the first book that I had ever seen that tied everything together. Oh, yeah. And, and basically, basically, it was about storytelling. Yeah. Right. It was vi- it was a book about visual storytelling. And that was his his superhero power. Yeah. Now, I mean, he go, no, ahead. go ahead. No. No, no, yeah, he was just, he was a. Stan Stanley was, uh, you know, like if it, like, you know, in in gaming terms, he was a true bard. Like he was born it, born to it. You know, uh, the man could tell a story, yeah. and it and it just he, he he can make anything come to life. I believe. I I, you know? I I think Eric needs to throw the line out there for when he gets things right. He needs to. He say was a that. freaking genius. He was a freaking genius. Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, uh, Disney Parks blog uh, did a great little story about him. Um, this came from Monday. Uh, <clears throat> today, Marvel Comics and the Walt Disney Comic uh, Walt Walt Disney Comics. Uh, today, Marvel Comics and the Walt Disney Company pause and reflect with great sadness on the passing of Marvel Chairman Emeritus Stanley. Uh, with a heavy heart, we share our deepest condolences with his daughter and brother. Uh, we honor and remember the creator, voice, and champion of Marvel Comics. Uh, wasn't he honored on Disney Main Street as well at Disneyland? He was named a Disney legend. Okay. Yeah. So he should, but that only appears in California. That's not Florida too, is it? Um, you know, I think you've been in the Disney parks since I have. Well, last Monday, that was the last thing I was looking for <laughs> when I was there. Um, Stanley was as extraordinary as char- as the characters he created. A superhero in his own right to Marvel fans around the world. Stan had the power to inspire, to entertain, and to connect. The scale of his imagination was only exceeded by the size of his heart, said Bob Iger, chairman and CEO of the Walt Disney Company. <clears throat> Stanley Martin Lieber, a.k.a. Stan Lee, loved the written word from an early age and wanted to craft stories like those in his favorite books and films, which consumed him ferociously. Uh, From a simple upbringing in the teeming landscape of Manhattan, young Stanley worked his way through a succession of jobs until the day he found himself an assistant at a comic book publishing company, Timely Comics. Um, in between refilling artist inkwells, erasing pencil lines from comic pages, and fetching an untold number of lunches, uh, Stanley expressed, or yes, Stanley expressed his desire to write and create tales of his own. In May 1940, in the May 1941 issue of Captain America. 
Comics number three, he got his wish. Readers would find a prose story in that issue. Captain America foils the traitor's revenge, sporting the byline of Stan Lee, a star was born. As Stan's roles and tenure with Timely Comics grew and evolved, so did the company itself. With Stan at the helm, Timely Comics morphed into Atlas Comics first, and then into a name that would catapult into le- into legend and forever be synonymous with Stan Lee, Marvel Comics. As Marvel's editor-in-chief, Stan the Man Lee made his voice... The voice of stories themselves, writing virtually every Marvel title and working with luminaries such as Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Don Heck, Gene Colan, and John Ramada. Uh, Stan began building a universe of interlocking continuity, one where the fans felt as if they could just turn a street corner and run into a superhero. A rich collection of characters grew out of this nonstop plotting of his nonstop plotting sessions as artists include uh, with his artists, including the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Thor, Iron Man, the Hulk, the X-Men, and more. Today it would be almost impossible to find a corner of the Marvel Universe that Stan did not have his hand in. Marvel found, fans also found a friend in Stan Lee. Uh, he introduced the famous Stanley Soap Soapbox. To speak directly to his readers, reaching a personal level rarely seen in comics of the day. Always pushing the new way of creating comics, Stan uh, was also inaugurated the also inaugurated the Marvel method of plotting and art, creating some of the most iconic stories in the industry to this day. Um, Stan stepped up from his position as editor-in-chief in 1972 to take on the role of publisher at Marvel Comics. And while a strong succession of writers followed in his wake, his spirit and voice remained throughout the adventure that followed. His outspoken love for comics even extended to a series of college campus talks. Given any chance to educate and illuminate on the industry, he took it. Uh, an entire generation of young readers expanded and strengthened their vocabulary through Stan Lee's stories. In later years, Stan took on no projects out of his own outside of Marvel, but always kept one eye on the universe he created. Watching with pride as he continued to grow, Stan worked tirelessly to promote Marvel properties and, and characters to the film industry and spunky cameos in Marvel films and television series became an important part of his legacy. Over the years, Stanley was widely recognized for his remarkable accomplishments, receiving the National Medal of Arts, being inducted to the Will Eisner Award Hall of Fame, and Jack Kirby Hall of Fame, and being named a Disney legend. He continued to work, write, and enjoy life creatively every day, and the world is better for it. Um, Marvel and the entire Walt Disney Company salute the life and career of Stanley and offered the undying gratitude for his unmatchable unmatchable accomplishments within their halls every time you open up open a marvel comic stan will be there so um i i think though stan's impact is probably said best by him himself fans love your sense of humor and uh and and you know it's well it's it's an equal love love fest because i love my fans i cannot tell you how much I love my fans. They, sometimes at night I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, ah, what's it all about, you know? And then I get a letter from a fan or I read something or I see something or I remember something and I realize it's so lucky to have fans fans who really care about you and that's the reason I care so much about the fans 
because they just they make me feel so great and there's something if you think about it that is wonderful about somebody caring about you as I care about them whom you've never met who may live in another part of the world but they care and you have something in common and occasionally you contact each other and this business of fans I think is terrific and I love them all yeah and we love you too Stan we do. Godspeed sir Thanks for as everything. It's something that really hasn't been mentioned a whole lot that I've seen. He had a charitable foundation called the Stan Lee Foundation. It was founded in 2010 uh, to focus on literacy, education, and the arts. And something else, he was from New York. Most of his life included New York. Mm-hmm. But between 1981 and 2001, he donated portions of his personal effects to the University of Wyoming. Wow. Wyoming. Wow. I, I don't I don't that's putting the why in Wyoming. I don't know. But I mean there's not really anything that I can say that hasn't been said. I mean, I don't think I don't really think that there's a single uh comic book artist or writer out there today that hasn't been influenced or at least inspired by what Stanley did. I think I'm pretty safe in saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Stan, Stan, you know, uh, I, I, and I, I feel pretty confident in saying this that prior, prior to Stan, Stanley, comic characters were, for the most part, I would think, pretty two dimensional. You know, uh, <laughs> Stan was able to, oh, I, you know, he, I, I said, I said this last night uh, on on a, a show that Stan, it felt like Stan had his finger on the pulse. Other fans and what they wanted, and also more and uh, more than what they wanted, what they needed. Uh, I mean, who would have thought to uh, make a hero relatable? You gave them day to day problems, like uh, like like Peter Parker. You know, he he was he was this nerd, and you know, and, and you know, so he had these these amazing abilities, but he struggled to pay his rent. Yeah. Or he struggled to fit in. Or 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 Daredevil. Okay, so true. He was blind, but that wasn't even the real issue with him. He 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 was kind of smug. You know, he really struggled with personal relationships. And Tony Stark was an alcoholic. Yeah. Well, see, that's that I think is it's we talk about this being a strength of the MCU. But really, it was just a carryover from the comics. You know how other companies would write and put out superhero comics. Mm-hmm. They were superheroes, mm-hmm. right? They saved the earth. They saved the world. They, you know, they they saved all of creation. But Marvel, their their strength was putting out stories about characters who happened to be superheroes, right? I mean, they were. While you say you give them day to day struggles, mm-hmm. you basically they're people. They are people. In the same words, like if you were an alcoholic, you know, you could identify if you were a recovering alcoholic or you knew one, you could identify with Tony Stark's drinking problems. Right. Well, I just think- about anybody knew what, you know, what it was like to have to struggle to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. It was mentioned, too, that all of his um, or all of majority of Marvel's heroes before they became heroes, they were monsters. True. 
such as Tony's alcohol alcoholism made him yeah. a monster. Um, and, and, and Peter let that thief go, and because of that, Uncle Ben died. Yeah. yeah. So all of them at some point were, whether the public considered them a monster or whether they considered themselves monsters, they started off as monsters before they became the heroes. Mm-hmm. Whereas with DC, they're just heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe yeah. something tragic, but there was no rhyme or reason. They they just became a hero. Right. Well, and, and again, that's that was the brilliance of Marvel. Mm-hmm. And like with X-Men, they were different. If you, you know, if you were in in any kind of minority, whether it be an ethnic one or a racial one or a um, or an economic one, you knew what it what it felt like to be uh, to be discriminated against. Mm-hmm. You did. And so so you put it in that context. Yes, there you have it. And that's that I think is what was lacking in a lot of comics up until that point, because it, it, it was very cut and dried, very Saturday morning, very Saturday morning cartoonish. Mm-hmm. And it's great if you're a kid and you read it. And it's kind of like, oh, well, that's cool. But Marvel made it accessible to adults. Did because I mean, after you after you're done fighting the Green Goblin, you still gotta go do dishes, you know. <laughs> Or, you know, you, you still got to make sure the taxes are done. Or, yeah. I mean, li- li- life goes on, you know, and that was I, I have to admit, that was probably one of those things that like I got a completely different experience reading Daredevil than I got from reading Batman, you know, yeah. or, or I got maybe maybe better. A better example would be Iron Man if I if I'm because uh, because they're both super rich. So, I you know, the experience for reading you no know, Batman, you know, he's. You know, he's rich and, you know, you don't, you know, they kind of give him these problems, but it's not real. You know, it doesn't right. feel real. Like with, with okay. Tony. Huh? How about this as a contrast? Okay. Iron Man versus Superman. Perfect. Because I mean, it was Superman being super. I mean, true justice American way. He was very much. He was very much the Boy Scout of the comics mm-hmm. world. Right. I mean, he and, had and no a- personal issues. He None. he had he had the girlfriend. He he had the the cushy job. He he had the fortress of solitude. And yeah. it, 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 it was completely, and that was something I have to admit that I found. I think even as a kid. It, it, it was problematic for me because he was so sure of himself. No matter what, he was sure of himself. Like, you know, you know, I'm right. This person is wrong. There, there was no moral. It was very cut and dried. Very, yeah. cut, very and dried. cut and dried. And that's not that's not to say that's a bad thing. No, but that's not to say it's a bad thing. But when you get to a certain age, that doesn't really appeal to you as much. Right? It doesn't. No. And no, no. So that's that was where the marvel with the with the alcoholism or the uh or, or the poverty or whatever mm-hmm. it, you know as you got older well that became your reality you it you did. knew it was like to to have to worry about where the rent money was coming from or mm-hmm. it, or and so on and so forth that like you said made it real made it feel real it did it did and, and, and you know that that that's what kept you coming back you know as you know is you know, uh, so so you know peter and mary jane they're they're having issues are they going to be able to work it out oh crap okay so sinister six is at it again that on top of all the other crap that's going on and he's getting his but his chops busted at work yeah you know it's like 
I how you know you get to a point where you're thinking like how do you how do you deal with it and it's not and it's how you deal with it because on a certain level you can relate because you've kind of had you you your your plate's been full too you know okay you didn't have a bunch of super villains after you but you have a bunch of other stuff that you have to deal with so in essence it, it still translates you know right. and uh, for for somebody to have had for Stan Lee to have had the foresight to try that type of storytelling because I mean that type of story didn't really happen outside of uh, novels not really yeah. you know and he did it yeah. Well, well, um, I, th- I wonder what the tributes are going to be like uh, in the upcoming films and animated series. Well, uh, um, Sci-Fi Wire is uh, sci-fi's, sci-fi.com, the website, uh, has an article out where uh, they're talking about uh, – actually, they're not talking to it. They're quoting an article from The Hollywood Reporter where Kevin Feige – uh, was remembering the man who gave him a nickname. <laughs> he gave him the nickname of Fearless Feige. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he said he met. He first met Lee during the shoot of his first cameo, which would have been in uh, 2000's X-Men. Uh, he said, quote, it seemed like a tradition you should not break, even though it was the very first one. He said it would be a holiday on set when he came to do his cameos. That's how much he inspired people. Whether it was the beginning of the shoot, the middle, the end, the energy was skyrocket when he came on the set. He said, those are my strongest memories. And as much as we and the audience loved the cameos, Stan loved and was so proud of every one. Uh, it says, you know, so how many more times will film fans get to see the 95-year-old alongside the heroes he brought to light? First of all, 95. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. Man, I hope I have that good a run. But anyway, uh, it says we we know that Lee had filmed a few more before his death, at least one or two more. So that likely means Avengers 4, Captain Marvel, and possibly one other. <laughs> Hopefully Spider-Man. Uh, who knows? I mean, he did he did several because his health was going downhill. Uh, and if you get a chance to watch the video that we just played for you, the audio, uh, you can see he's looking kind of rough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, really rough. But uh, Feige note said, uh, quote, one of the many things he learned from Stan was that everyone likes a surprise. Now, that could be that could be any anything. Uh, we saw Carrie Fisher in Rogue One uh, via CGI. Uh, who knows? He said, quote, we'll think about an appropriate way to honor him, the producer said. But even in the 18 years I've been at Marvel, the appropriate way is to do justice to the amazing characters and stories that he created. And we'll continue to do just that. So yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to put this out here, guys. Would you want to see a CGI Stanley? Um, I personally I personally say no. No. I mean, anything future? No. If it, if it hasn't already been shot? No. Don't put it in just so you can say, well, we did it in his honor. No. Let it let it let it end with whatever the last cameo is. Now, if you want to put an Easter egg in there, like say a poster, yeah, like say a poster in the background or one of his books on Tony Stark's coffee table, <coughs> right, or something like that, do that, yeah, or just the word Excelsior spray painted on a wall in the background, something, right, but no, at, no, end this with whatever cameos are still in the can. Let those let those be the last ones. Yep. Man. Or I've seen. 
I have seen somebody online suggest getting Deadpool to take over the Stanley cameos, but he shows up with a wig, a mustache, and aviator glasses over his costume. Yeah, I, I would love to see that for <laughs> like maybe one. Uh, as I got the hiccups, one or two things, but I, I don't want to see it consistently. No, no, no but I thought no, that no. would be hilarious. Yeah. So, um, personally, for like Guardians, like Guardians three. Or, or maybe, I don't know. I know the one Easter egg I want to see. I, w- I would love to see it in the Spider-Man game outside Marvel headquarters. Stanley statue. You know, they that would be that easy to do. I would That'd be really easy. I would to love do. to see it happen in real life as well. Now that you probably see. Yeah. So now there's, all right. W- the only time that I would like to see a Stanley cameo CGI wise is if the entire movie is CGI. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll give you that. Sort sort of like what he did with Big Hero Six. Exactly. Or uh, maybe something like Wreck It Ralph. Uh, the the next Wreck It Ralph movie. Wait, he's gonna be Ralph the next... breaks the internet. He, he, that yeah. right there will break the internet. Well, uh, prepare for the internet to get broken, guys, because it seems like Uncle Stan, uh, Uncle Stan's next cameo will be in Wreck It Ralph breaks the internet. Yep, I'm saying that. So. So this is an article that was on uh, Sci-Fi Wire uh, on Sci-Fi.com. So uh, uh, just to sort of piggyback on what we were talking about before, uh, we know that uh, Stan has filmed a few uh, cameos uh, with, uh, so with, and we know that no, we do have a few movies that are you know, on the roster for next year. Um, but it says here that, uh, uh, and this is a quote, uh, Rick Ralph, uh, or Ralph Breaks the Internet directors, Rich Moore and Phil Johnston explained to The Rap uh, that an animated version of Lee is set to appear in the film in an area of the internet inspired by Disney and its many properties and characters. That includes Marvel and Star Wars. And while the directors initially envisioned a more elaborate sequence in which we see characters Marvelized by going through a machine, the scene was ultimately cut. Still, Moore and Johnston didn't want to have Marvel make an appearance um, in the film without also having Lee along for the ride. So Lee appears when Venelope, uh, who's played by... Vanellope. Vanellope. Thank you, because I've never watched the movie, so thank you, Vanellope. Dude, dude, you've I, got I to watch this movie. you got to watch this movie. Uh, will, I, will I like it? Yes. Uh, absolutely, okay. You're going to absolutely hate it. Yeah. Well, you're going to absolutely hate the fact that you haven't seen it before then. <laughs> Well, Vanellope, uh, who is uh, played by Sarah Silverman, bumps into him in the Oh My Disney corner of the Internet. <laughs> OK, I, I'm, I'm I'm picturing this in my head and it's glorious. Yeah. All right. So uh, so it looks like I, I, I have a I have a. A movie to watch before I uh, since since I feel like now I gotta go see uh, I gotta go see Ralph breaks the internet. So I you have I'll... definitely got to watch Wreck It Ralph, Ralph before you see Ralph breaks the internet. I will do that. I will do that. So both are amazing. Or the first one is amazing. It is. It is. Uh, to say the second one's amazing, don't know yet. <laughs> Haven't seen it. But yeah, no, well, but you just... know the movie hits theaters uh, November twenty first, so next Wednesday. Yeah. So what you could do uh, is go to the comic shop, get your stash, uh, grab something to eat, and then go to, go 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 see the movie. And then you know, then you get to wake up and have all the festivities on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, just you're you're gonna love it from the moment that you see the bad guy support group. Oh, Tell me that was this. Awesome. 
I, I just need to know, is M. Bison in the group? M. Bison? I... Wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think so. Yes. Is... Oh, my gosh. Okay. M. I think M. Bison is in it. Zangief definitely is. Zangief is in it? Zangief is a riot. Oh, my gosh. In Ralph, in Wreck-It Ralph. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Bad add-on. Is the name of the group? Oh Bad my God! It's, yes, it's a twelve-step program. Yep. Now, no one attendees. Wreck It Ralph, Satine, possibly based off uh, Satan from Satine's. Yeah, from yeah. Satan Hollow. Uh, Shinobi, Bowser, Zangri, Doctor Eggman, M Bison uh, from Street Fighter Two, Clyde, one zero one one zero zero one. Uh, Sorceress, Neff. From Altered Beast. Yeah. Um, Cycloptopus. Cycloptopus, Cyborg, and Zombie. Cyborg is based off Kano from Mortal Kombat, and Zombie is based off of Cyril from House of the Dead. Now, here, here here's an interesting thing. Oh, my gosh. Okay. M. M. Bison is the only member of Bad Anon who is voiced by his current voice actor in the games. Oh, wow. Okay. So. I, I realize that we are getting kind of off the off the Marvel track here, but, dude, you, you got to do this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll make that happen. To get back on track, there's one more thing Stan left us with. Uh, he and his daughter co-created a another superhero. Uh, she came out and said that um, they helped. Uh, he helped her create a uh, a new hero called Dirt Man. Um, for now, all we know about the superhero is the unique name, which sounds completely unlike any of the popular characters which can be currently seen in Marvel movies. His backstory and abilities remain a mystery, but JC is planning on moving forward with the project following her father's death, hoping to see it one day be developed as a feature film. As the very last character, the creative genius, if you would please, Eric. Freaking genius? <laughs> ever helped create... Dirtman is certainly special, and it's something all of Lee's fans will want to see. Because I got the stupid hiccups again. Uh, additionally, JC says she's working on a charity foundation called the Stanley Childhood Literacy Foundation. She says how Lee took his craft very seriously and how the written word is extremely important. Uh, this article comes from movieweb.com, by the way. Uh, this certainly this, this is certainly fitting for someone who helped place comic books into the hands of so many, um, so, so many budding readers over the past several decades. Saying goodbye isn't easy for the fans and even more difficult for J.C., but this will serve as a great way to help keep Lee's amazing legacy shining bright. So, um, so yeah, that's going to wrap it up on our Stan Lee coverage. Uh, but the final report that I heard is all guests in attendance have been asked to stick around for the post credit scenes. Yeah. I know. Of course, you realize too, that too soon, you, but I, I would not be surprised if, if, if one did pop up. You do realize, of course, that we are now living in Stanley's post-credit scenes. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we are. Did I just get too deep there? I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's all did, good. I, you know what? I'd much rather talk about. Well, I was going to say th this whole thing's been kind of difficult for me to talk about anyway. Uh, especially since what I went through a year ago. So, yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. So, 
yeah, to uh, to Stan's family and loved ones, we you know you are in our thoughts, you're in our prayers, and uh, we we thank you for sharing him with the rest of us. And uh, hey, yep. we, he, he means so much to all of us. Mm-hmm. I, I will admit, we'll continue to do so. I will admit, I I had sent quite a few interview requests to him to try and get him on the show. Well, man. <laughs> I feel like we got a little mini interview with him. Yeah. yeah. We'll count that. Yep. Uh, yeah. So as as you were saying before, I interrupted. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, mm. uh, you may remember on previous issues here on the show where we have talked about the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster that is coming to the Epcot theme park there at Walt Disney World. And uh, today, today being Thursday, November 15th, an article appeared in the Disney Parks blog giving us the first look at the ride vehicle for this uh, for this roller coaster. Uh, it says uh, earlier this week, Disney Parks Experiences and Consumer Products Chairman Bob Chapek shared the first details on the innovative new ride system planned to bring the adventurous Guardians of the Galaxy inspired attraction to life at Epcot. According to Bob, building an adventure this big will require a ride system and ride vehicles unlike anything our guests have experienced before. What guests will encounter can best be described as a one-of-a-kind, dang it, now you've given me your hiccups, Mike, a one-of-a-kind storytelling coaster, you heard that right, storytelling coaster, that connects the adventure of a storyline with the thrills of a coaster. Uh, Quote, on most coasters, the vehicles point straight ahead throughout the ride. But on this attraction, each individual cab will be programmed to direct your eye to the story happening around you. That means instead of whizzing by the action, you'll be fully immersed in the story from the minute you launch. The attraction will be one of the world's longest enclosed roller coasters when it opens up in Future World at Epcot in the site of the old Universe of Energy. Uh, Earlier this year, 960 trucks worth of concrete poured the foundation of this mammoth attraction, which will be housed inside a building so large that the volume of four Spaceship Earth attractions could fit inside it. The attraction will open in time for the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World Resort in 2021. Now, I think what we need to, we need to back up for for those of you who have never visited a Disney theme park or even Universal theme park or really any any large theme park of of the kind. Uh, yes, he's right. Most ride vehicles they point in one direction, and Disney and also Universal they both do a very good job of directing your attention to certain things along the way. You know, they'll do it by putting action over on one side and putting almost nothing on the other side, basically just diverting your attention as you ride along. Now, some vehicles, they will pivot. They will rotate. A very good example of this would be Haunted Mansion, where your doom buggy, it will move from one side to the other to just basically keep your direct your attention, focus it, and prevent you from looking anywhere else than where they want you to look. Universal, the Spider-Man attraction there at Islands of Adventure, that's another good example. But generally speaking, coaster ride vehicles, they are locked into straight ahead. Now, there are some uh, types that are called like mouse coasters where the where the ride vehicle 
it unlocks and you are free to and you they rotate but it's gravity and momentum said so there's not any rhyme or reason to it it's just however the physics are inside the cap this sounds like they're actually going to direct this and that's a that's something i would be looking forward to because it's something i had never seen before so if you can have a roller coaster where all of a sudden it pivots you 45 degrees to the left and you can't see what's behind you you can't see what's on the right side that's something that just happened it, it it's nothing i've ever heard of now, some mm. of you more hardcore coaster enthusiasts out there you may have heard of something like this i haven't heard of that no um uh I, I i would i would put that under the aggressive most aggressive marketing campaign of all time but <laughs> no i've never I, i've never seen that before no but imagine going through a roller coaster sideways oh dude think about that and i and i have i have seen pictures of the ride building construction there at epcot this ride building is huge. I mean, Spaceship Earth is is huge in and of itself, but if it's four times the volume, that is – the mind is boggling right now. And I hope – I hope – and this is the only issue that I have with this attraction. And really it ties into issues that I've had with, with the way that Epcot's being – uh, developed all that is the educational informative aspect seems to be they seem to be moving on from that and I'm not and I'm not very happy about that part. Mm. I think you're gonna find the front's gonna be a lot different uh-huh. with the back being a little bit more informative. Okay. As long as they keep some attempt at education like with mission space mm-hmm. that was tried that was informative and also thrilling. Right. I still like that. but but um, we still don't know what the message truly is gonna be in Guardian. True and that's that's why I'm kinda hoping that they don't forget the educational heritage maybe they're talking about cornex batteries being the wave of the future because it's more energy efficient like that mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah i mean this is this is something i'm looking i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to seeing what they do the ride vehicle looks like it follows a very similar theme to uh, i won't say the milano because the milano's more orange but this is kind of like blue and gold and silver it, it, it almost, almost looks like a nova core vehicle well it, it almost looks like that um that mini jump ship that they took in uh infinity war it does but or, it, the concept art looks like it has a nova core symbol on the front and it's more the color scheme of the Nova Corps fighters that right. you see in the first Guardians movie. Right. Now, here, here's the here's the other thing um, that bugs me is WDW News Today. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I've been seeing this thing being built. Anyone who comes into the park is seeing the construction being built. WDW News Today makes the comment, oh, you can fit four spaceship Earths inside of this attraction. Track-wise, maybe. The actual building and everything, don't see it. Actually, the Disney Parks blog article says that. I still don't see it. Okay, it says a building so large that the volume of four spaceship Earth attractions could fit inside it. And see, that's where WDW News Today spins it. Okay, volume. 
Mm-hmm. That tells me this building is four times the volume of Spaceship Earth. Right. So if you're talking sheer cubic footage, then yes, I can see that. Let's see. And here, here's the exact quote from the WDW News Today article that, that spins it and is misleading. Bob Chapik said the building for the ride will be large enough to fit four Spaceship Earths inside. Okay. Not quite the same. No. 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 Not, not quite the same. But, you know, that, that's the... That's the dangers of jumping on rumors. It's mm-hmm. great if you if you want to just take it its face value. It's great for discussion. It's great for just blue sky thinking, well, how would this be? How would that be? But it's really best to get official clarification, official statements. And that's one thing they don't jump on. This is why we, if we say it's rumors and speculation, we tell you it's rumors and speculation. We don't go out there saying, oh, this is the way it is and try and pawn it off as fact. Now, if we, we, say, if we don't know, we don't know. And we say that. Now, we will call something when we have freaking genius moments. <laughs> we'll say something like, well, we're just calling it right now. This is how mm-hmm. I think this is going to happen. So, well, it's an I, it's a it's an object lesson. It's a teachable moment, and how if it's not an official source, just remember it's not an official source. And I'm going to tell you right now, until it's announced by Disney an official press release, I'm not going to be that official source. Point blank. Sorry, but Mike, aren't you the one that told me that Mary Poppins was coming to the International Gateway? No, she does her meet and greets in the courtyard in the UK Pavilion. It says it tells you right there in the guide map. <laughs> <laughs> she won't be showing up with Yondu then. Oh man! No, that, that's Dude, only that's only my a, life is a lie. That's only a, every blue moon where Yondu comes out and goes, "I'm Mary Poppins, y'all," and she goes, "Oh no, you're not." And she shakes her little poly head umbrella at him. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now I just got this mental image of him pulling out that arrow and start whistling. And it starts buzzing around. Well, she pulls out that umbrella, starts whistling, and it starts flying around after. It's a little dog fight between the arrow and the umbrella. Yeah. While the two of them are just standing there below just whistling. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I would I, pay money to see that. How long before the two of them start whistling a spoonful of sugar? I know, but I like that song better. Okay. Okay. Um, Wow. Then I think we have some quick bit of news that that also kind of helps brighten this this dim lit week. Yeah. uh, Yeah. um, Yeah. So it looks like uh, uh, this is from an article on a comicbookresources.com, but it looks like the blockbuster... Marvel's Spider-Man has been nominated for Game of the Year uh, for 2018 by the Game Awards. That is so very worth it. Colin, you were were telling me that you finally finished the storyline to Spider-Man. I did, and oh my god. It was, uh, well, you know, like you warned me to make sure I had tissue, and oh my god, man, that was just... You know, you know it, uh, and Dawn, Dawn was sitting there watching me play. She wasn't even playing the game, and she was in tears. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, 
when when you hear the words take off your mask i want to see my nephew mm-hmm. oh wow and he's like i made you new she said, i knew all along well she says she knew for a while and well, she knew for a while yeah and, and you know she totally drops a hint she totally drops a hint that i did not see mac finished the my son mac finished the playthrough before i did right okay so i saw i saw aunt may's death scene right oh i just went spoiler sorry two weeks she saw that uh it's been he passed. saw that i saw that and i'm like yeah it's like oh dude i'm not crying you're crying and then i started i, I was doing my play through and there's a scene it's like um it's the first time that he goes back to the feast center yeah after you know having you know having the heart to heart with mj right the first time the first time you see mj in the game Mm -hmm. and she's asking him about her and he says well you know it's kind of complicated she goes does she she starts talking about honesty how honesty uh got her and uncle ben through the tough times and she looks dead at peter and says does she know the real you yeah and See, if I had been playing through the game for the very first time, I would not have picked up on that. No, no. But if you see that cinematic, knowing what happened, you know, what, you know, about her dropping the truth bomb mm-hmm. there at the end, it's kind of like, holy crap. That's, that's where Peter should have figured out, hey, she knows. Mm, exactly. Exactly. Cause that was, uh, that scene, like honestly, that entire story, it it it, sh- it should be a graphic novel. It really should be. Yeah. It was so incredibly well written. This and, I think is is my favorite Spider-Man story, uh, and not just video games. Oh, but we're also talking movies, yes, and yeah. comics, yes. Yes. Now, we, it was kind of briefly discussed earlier. Stan Lee's from Manhattan. Peter's from Manhattan. Mm-hmm. We He's know. From Queens. Okay, Queens. Close enough. We know that was his favorite character. Yeah. And he says so in this cameo in the Spider-Man game. Yeah, I got not. I, how, I, I got a little knot in my throat in that part too. How how do we not know? Because he he still I don't think ever confessed to it. But how do we not know that he that Peter Parker is the Stanley that Stanley wanted to be? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. Oh, uh, there's no doubt. No. I mean, when you create a character, when you write for a character, you project. It's impossible not to project a little bit of yourself into that character. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I totally believe that 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 Stanley projected most you know the the most amount of his personality into Spidey. You know the thing and and I think because you know he maybe he experimented he he used Spidey as his guinea pig. You know what worked to to yeah. to humanize these characters, uh, and you know uh, to uh, to to you know kind of be able to make them so relatable, and at the same time, when Peter, as Peter grows, and Peter starts to become the man that. You know he, that he aspires to be because you know Peter wants to be he he idolized his uncle Ben you know yeah so he, he so he want you know that that's who he who he hoped to be and as he strives for that I think you're right I feel like Stan probably put in well as he wrote that character he he 
he ideal you know he he idealized him to a certain degree you know because Peter has such a strong moral compass mm-hmm. uh, and at the same time he's constantly getting kicked in the teeth by life but he still maintains that moral compass yeah you know and that's just that is something that you know that resonates yeah you know yeah, so yeah. Now, Kylan, you fin- Yo. you said you finished the uh, the story mode this week earlier yeah, this did. week. Yes. yes. All right. You've got until next week to work through the first DLC, the heist, okay. where Spi- where Spider Man where, where Peter is uh, he's reunited with Black Cat. You also get uh, the the mafia, the excuse me, the magia. Right. They don't call it the mafia; they call it the magia. Right. And this it's basically Spider Man and Black Cat versus organized crime. Oh, oh, oh yes. All right. Okay. So you've got you've got that DLC to go through before the next one comes out on Tuesday. Interesting. Wow. Uh, it's called it's called The City That Never Sleeps, titled Turf Wars. It'll focus on Hammerhead, the New York gang leader with a surgically enhanced vibranium covered skull. Ooh. Vibranium <laughs> covered? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh Insomniac's official description of the DLC from the PlayStation blog, Hammerhead, the organized crime boss known for his obsession with the mob's glory years and a cranium surgically enhanced into a deadly weapon, has declared war on the other dons of the Magia and are using equipment left by Sable International during its occupation of Marvel's New York. Spider-Man and Yuri Watanabe will have to team up to put an end to the violence that has erupted on the streets of the city. Okay. Expect brand new story missions, bases, crimes, challenges, and trophies. Ah, wow. You also get three new suits. Now, the heist DLC comes out, came out with, uh, with, an arm, with a uh, Spider-Man armor resistance suit, I think it was. I could be mixing it for something else. Right. Uh, the Spider-Man UK outfit and the second Scarlet Spider outfit. This DLC comes out with a classic Iron Spider suit from the comic books. This is more like the red and gold design. Right. Uh, Peter Parker's bulletproof Mark One Spider armor, which is all black, looks like it's got quilted uh, or gridded armor on top of his bodysuit, and the mm-hmm. Spider Clan suit from Marvel's Mangaverse comics. So basically, you've got Manga Spider Man, okay. and I'm just going to call it. I'm just going to call it. It's an interesting concept. But this suit is going to look so out of place when when it's playing in the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is. It, it looks like it belongs somewhere in the Into the Spider-Verse movie. Uh, which I can't wait for that to come out. Oh, that's yeah, that's going to be fun. Be awesome. So speaking of coming out, uh, Kylan, why don't you start us off uh, as we run quickly through our picks of the week? Okay, uh, let's hit the ground running. So my first pick of the week is uh, Marvel Knights 20th, number two, and this is of a six-part series. Uh, is brought to us by Matthew Rosenberg, Nico Henrikan, Jeff Shaw, and Donnie Cates. In celebration of the legendary imprint founded by Marvel's uh, CCO, Joe Quesada, a new crop of talent stands poised to tell a groundbreaking story across the Marvel Universe. In the cemetery, a blind man does not know who he is or why he has come to this particular grave at this moment. He doesn't know the burly police officer with the wild story who has approached him or the strangely intense man 
who sits in the rear seat of the police car, of a patrol car, his eyes flashing green. But all of that is about to change because Matt Murdock is beginning to remember in a colorless world without heroes, the spark of light must come from the dark. Okay. Uh, Eric, why don't you take off next? Well, my first pick of the week ties into my earlier comment about Into the Spider-Verse because this is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse number one by Ralph Macchio, Flaviano, and Edward Petrovich. Step into the Spider-Verse with a cadre of spider heroes. With his ability to traverse the multiverse, Spider-Man assembles a team to track down a loose end from his past, the fate of the mighty Cog. Get ready for the upcoming film with this standalone adventure featuring some of your favorite spider heroes, Peter Parker, Miles Morales, Spider-Ham, Spider-Gwen, and Spider-Punk. Also featuring a special presentation of Spider-Man number one from 2016, Miles Morales' first adventure into the prime Marvel universe. Okay. Well, my first pick of the week. Wait, I, I'm hoping I didn't just steal yours. That's why I'm double checking. So hold on. It's like I always alter mine. No, I did not. Okay. It's a spider theme going on. I don't know why. There's uh, a whole lot of spidering going on here this week. I went with Spider Force number two, which is two of three. It's a Spider Geddon tie in. The deadliest mission of all Spider Geddon has come up, and Kane has stepped forward for what he sure will be a suicide mission, but he can't do it alone. And Jessica Drew, aka Spider Woman, has signed on to help, but has Kane told her the whole but has Kane told her the whole truth? With Ashley Barton from Old Man Logan universe and two characters, two new characters, Astro Spider and Spider Kid. Kane's team is complete and their first mission may be their last. So, Kylan, your second pick of the week. Uh, my second pick of the week is Shuri, number two, uh, by Nanedi Okorafor, Leonardo Romero, and Sam Spratt. The search for T'Challa begins. The king of Wakanda has been missing for weeks. Now his little sister is tired of working, of waiting. It's time for Shuri, with a little help from Storm of the X-Men, to go save her brother for what must be the millionth time. But Wakanda expects the princess to take the throne and the panther mantle once again. Again. Can Wakanda survive without a Black Panther? Can Shuri? Okay. Uh, Eric, your second pick. Okay, my second pick is Spider-Geddon number four of five by Christos Gage and Jorge Molina. As long as Solus, the father of inheritance, has not returned, the spiders still stand a chance. As he is revived, it means Kane and Spider-Woman's Spider-Force has fallen, and the Spider-Eaters have one leader, one cause. Total annihilation. My second pick is um, West Coast Avengers number four. If the team thought a 50-foot woman version of Tiger was trouble, just wait until they get a load of her friends. That's right. It's close encounters with the, of the very large and destructive kind as the West Coast Avengers try and save the day from B-movie monster-sized threats roaming Los Angeles. And while her team takes the direct approach, Kate Bishop finds herself in a compromising position when trying to get ahead of the game. Is she going to end up on the wrong side of this battle? And I'm really loving this series. Mm-hmm. So I'm shocked to hear that. Shocked, I, I know. I, I I don't know what to say. Hey, and I I will admit I had some worries and trepidations going into it. Uh, I'm actually enjoying it. So, uh, final picks, guys. Uh, all right. So my last pick is Infinity Wars Ghost Panther number one of two. 
Uh, this is brought to us by Jed McKay, Jeff T. Paolo, and Umberto Ramos. Stripped of his kingdom, Prince T'Challa of Wakanda becomes a stunt performer under an assumed name until a tragic accident and a sinister deal gives him the power he needs to free his people. Y- yeah. Okay. Uh, Eric, your final pick of the week. Okay. So my first pick was a Spider-Man title. My second pick was a Spider-Man title. And my third pick is Star Wars Solo Adaptation adaptation number two of five by Robbie Thompson, Will Sliney, and Phil Noto. The Great Train Robbery. Han Solo and Chewbacca throw down, but ultimately unite to escape the Empire and join Beckett's crew. But will this ragtag group of thieves be able to pull off the train heist of their lives? And what happens when Empress Nest arrives to take the stolen Coaxium out from under them? Featuring scenes not seen in theaters. And this is what they did with Rogue One. They basically yeah. said the, the the comic adaptation was going to be like the director's cut. I think and I said, love that. I think they said that too about Last Jedi as well yeah yeah so so well, i i do like that my final pick is star wars number 57 uh the escape part two the horror of the strange planet the horror shirtless han solo chopping wood mm-hmm. and also i'm gonna say on that note as well if you could catch on this weekend um if it's not too late john tyler christopher is doing his latest exclusive on online and it's princess leia in yavin ceremonial outfit Oh, cool! Neat. So, uh, any final thoughts before we go? Well, I got my I got my uh, Marvel Unlimited pick. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm watching time. Well, uh, this will be really quick. Uh, in in light of uh, uh, Stan's passing, my pick is his first book. Captain America number three. Uh, this is Lee's first writing. It was providing filler text in this golden age Captain America story, written by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. A career in comics begins. So yeah, uh, you know, I, everybody, if you're, th- you're thinking about Stan and you have this app, or if you have a, a way of reading this book, take a t- take a take a, a few minutes and read it and um, see where it all began. There you go. Well then. Uh, if there's no other final thoughts, which I don't count the MU pick as a final thought because that's part of our normal routine, um, there's only one thing left to be said. Uh, Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. 